Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. My name is Gary, and I joyfully serve as senior pastor here at White Plains. And if you're new to us, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for being our guest. You are an answer to prayer. I've been praying for you and your family, and I'm thankful that you are with us. I hope you find our church to be a warm and welcoming group of people. Kids, thank you so much for sharing with us from Luke's chap- Luke chapter 1 and 2, the Christmas story. You guys did a great job. Thank you so much for being a part of our worship service, for leading us to Jesus this Christmas. And I want to encourage you kids to, to remember what you shared with us. Remember this story about Jesus coming to earth and share that with others. Tell people what you know and what you love about God. They will listen to you. You don't have to be a pastor, a pastor to do that. Many of your parents and grandparents do that. They tell others what they know and what they love about God, and, and you can too. Since you guys are such a big part of our worship service this morning, we're not going to have kids' church. You guys get to stay with us for the rest of the morning, and uh, if it's okay with your parents or grandparents, there's hot chocolate on the way out. So not until then, though. <laughs> but thank you again for being with us this morning, kids, and, and leading us in worship. Uh, we're going to finish our Christmas series today. The Songs of Christmas. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 2, verses 29 through 32. And we're looking at four songs of Luke at Christmas. This is the fourth and final song that we're going to be looking at this series. And God has given each of these songs to each one who sang them. And God inspires us to sing songs about him too. And as we sing, as you and I worship God together, our singing is about God. It's to God and it's meant to build up the people of God, the church. So let's look at this final song here in Luke chapter 2, 29-32. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Let's pray in response to what we just read. God, thank you for this this baby. For this salvation that you've prepared for all people. For this light to the Gentiles and the glory of your people. Lord, we thank you for Christmas because it's, it's Jesus coming. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So that is Simeon's song, and this morning we're, we're going to see that just like all the other songs we've looked at in this series, there's a backstory. This song just didn't pop out out of nowhere, and Simeon is no exception. You go back to verses 22 through 24, we get a little bit of the backstory about Simeon. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Jesus, about a month old, a little bit more than a month old, and his family at this stage are very devout in their religious life. What we see here is Joseph and Mary dedicated to living through the Old Testament system. We see this in two ways. First, they went to the temple. 
at the right time to be purified for the uncleanliness that accompanies childbirth. Now this was for Mary, and it was probably for Joseph too. They were acting according to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 12, verses 3 and 4. If you're taking notes, in your notes, the Old Testament is connected to the life of Jesus. The Old Testament is connected to the life of Jesus. It's prophesied of many aspects of Jesus' life. Many aspects of his ministry, his life, his death, and his resurrection. Everything in the Old Testament, everything the Old Testament said about the coming of the Messiah was fulfilled in Jesus. Here's the first, in the first part of Luke, we see Joseph and Mary living out the requirements of the Old Testament. When we read the Old Testament, we need to have Jesus in mind. We're going to start a new teaching series in January, it's first of the year, in Genesis. And if you've ever struggled with connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament or to Jesus, or if you've struggled with understanding what is being communicated in the Old Testament, I would encourage you to join us for this series. I'm calling it How We Got Here. When you understand the beginning parts of the Old Testament, the rest of it will come into focus. And we're going to start the series on January 7th. But let's get back to Luke. Joseph and Mary are with Jesus in Jerusalem. They are joining, they are going there for the purification rituals to allow them to rejoin the religious life of Israel. They couldn't be a part of the religious life without this purification ritual. But that's not all. They're there bringing Jesus in accordance with Exodus chapter 13 verses 2 and 12. They are presenting Jesus to God at the temple since Jesus is Mary's firstborn. In your notes, Jesus is presented to God as holy. You may be thinking, this is Jesus. He is God. Do they need to do this? Does Joseph and Mary need to present Jesus to God at the temple because he is God? Is this necessary? Yes, it is necessary. Yes, they need to do this. Jesus doesn't do anything outside the scope of the Old Testament. He keeps the law. He doesn't break the law. He fulfills the law. He doesn't go around the law. We need Jesus to do this. You and I need Jesus to fulfill this law because if he doesn't, what he does later in his life, in his ministry, won't accomplish what we need from him. We should praise God and be thankful to him that Jesus fulfills the law as he keeps the law. Let's look at one other thing Joseph and Mary do while they're in Jerusalem. Joseph and Mary were coming to the temple to follow the law of Leviticus 12 as they were making sin offerings. Look at what R.C. Sproul says in his commentary in Luke, A Walk with God. He writes this, Sin offerings were required, and normally the offerings were made were twofold. In the first place, a lamb was brought and sacrificed on the altar, and then an additional offering of a single pigeon or a turtle dove was made, except in special circumstances. There was a provision in the law that was made especially for those who were very poor. Instead of a sacrificial lamb, a pigeon or a turtle dove 
they were allowed to substitute a second turtle dove for the lamb, for the turtle dove could be purchased cheaply. And so this text tells us something of the early poverty of Jesus' life, of his humble background. So this is the background, the backdrop of Simeon's song. A religiously faithful and humbly poor family is in Jerusalem, just over a month after giving birth to their son, Jesus. The birth that followed a miraculous visitation of angels and the miracle birth of John the Baptist, who's a relative. Now, for those of y'all who are parents, do you remember the first month of being a parent? I do. I remember the restless nights. I remember the lack of money. I remember just staring at our girls and watching their every move in love with those sweet little girls that I get to call my daughters. Now, we don't have it anymore, but their bassinet that they slept in in their first few weeks in months, they took naps in and things, and those, we, we have, if you, if you were able to see it, you would see that there was teeth marks on that bassinet. Now, our kids were born like most every other kid without teeth, and those teeth marks are my teeth marks. I would lay in the bed upside down and rest my head with my teeth on the bassinets and just watch, just watch my girls breathing, making sure they were breathing, hoping they were happy and trusting that they knew that we loved them. Now, you probably have stories like that, maybe without teeth marks, but I'm sure Joseph and Mary thought about Jesus in similar ways. My girls are great. They're not Jesus. But Mary and Joseph, they, they had to love Jesus like, like you and I love our kids. And I'm sure that they thought things about their son. And so we're just a month or so after this birth, and we're introduced to this guy named Simeon. Let's look again at verses 25 through 28. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took up him in his arms and blessed God. We have a great introduction of Simeon. The Bible doesn't speak about Simeon before or after this. He is part of the Christmas story because he has a song to sing. And before we can understand this song, let's understand a little bit more about who Simeon is. And Luke tells a whole lot about Simeon in these few little words. And you know, Simeon is righteous. He's devout. He's patient. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Spirit. Simeon is righteous, and he's devout. Now, while not everybody in the Christmas story is religious or devout, Luke points out when they are. Zechariah and Elizabeth were. Mary and Joseph were. Simeon is. These are people who acknowledge God and they live their lives accordingly. Simeon is patient and he's been waiting on God. God has made a promise to him that he would see Jesus before he dies, before Simeon dies. And we wonder how long that was. 
For those who are familiar with this part of the Christmas story, have you ever wondered how old Simeon might have been? There are many Christian traditions who wonder. We think he might be unusually old. Some Christian traditions think he to be him to be 200 to 360 years old. Others think maybe 50. The truth is, biblically, we don't know how old he was. The Bible doesn't speak about him before or after, but regardless of his age, God kept his promise to Simeon. And Simeon saw Jesus as he patiently waited. Simeon was filled and led by the Spirit. Now, Simeon is unique and that the Holy Spirit filled him and stayed in him. This is not how the Holy Spirit usually interacts with humanity before Pentecost in the book of Acts. But Simeon is unusual, and the Spirit is in him, filling him. And we see him being led by the Spirit as he enters the temple. So what does Simeon do when he sees what, had been, what he's been waiting for? What does he do? Simeon holds Jesus. Simeon holds Jesus. Now there's a short list of people who've done what Simeon did, who saw and held the baby Jesus. Can you imagine what this must have been like? He knows who he's holding. He knows what has been promised. I wonder, was Simeon gentle? Was he holding his neck to make sure he was comfortable? Could he feel the salvation that he was holding in his arms? Could he sense the hope that was resting in his arms? This part of the Christmas story makes me think of the television series, The Office. Do you remember this quote from Michael Scott? I love babies. I think they're beautiful in all sorts of different ways. I try to pick up and hold a baby every day, if possible, because it nourishes me. It feeds my soul. Now, Michael continues, and it becomes very funny later, but, but as I read this passage about Simeon holding Jesus, I think about that in the office. Simeon knew this baby would feed his soul. He knew that Jesus would do that. Here's his song in 29 through 32 again. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon's soul is full. God's promise to him has been fulfilled. Simeon doesn't need anything else. Simeon is ready to die. He has seen the salvation that is coming. He has seen the salvation that was promised to him. He has seen what the Old Testament points to. And Simeon is ready to die. Salvation is found in the gospel. And you know, salvation is found in the gospel. The gospel comes alive at Christmas. You saw that acted out with our kids this morning. The gospel coming alive at Christmas. This gospel baby... Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and is the glory to Israel. Hope is here because of the gospel. A promise fulfilled is in Simeon's arms. He's full. His spirit is full as he holds this Christmas baby. 
he continues in verses 33 through 35. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. The gospel comes alive at Christmas. Now the gospel is often defined as good news. And the gospel is good news, but it's not good news for all people. Christmas isn't neutral. Christmas is not neutral. The gospel is not neutral. If you reject the gospel, the goodness of the gospel isn't for you. You can't just disregard the gospel and think you get the benefits of it. A gift at Christmas must be received and opened to be enjoyed. A gift given isn't truly given until it's received and opened. The gospel is truth as much as it is anything else. It is good news. But for those who ignore it, it is bad news. The gospel is truth. And the truth is the separation between you and God is still there if you don't receive the gift of the gospel. Just as the gospel isn't good news for all people, the gospel isn't all good news. Simeon says, because of the gospel, this baby will cause many to rise and fall, and his mother's heart will experience great pain. This good news isn't a warm and fuzzy feeling. The gospel is good news, but it's not all God good news because it will cause pain. The gospel will cause pain. Mary will experience the brutal loss of this baby in just over 30 years. She will be there for his death. It will be painful. The gospel can tear apart families as well. Because Christmas isn't neutral, the gospel isn't neutral. Following Jesus has a cost with it. If you follow Jesus and accept the gift of the gospel, you will have to turn away from things that you've enjoyed in the past. You will have to let the Bible inform your opinions on matters you might have to let some friends go. The gospel is freely given, but it comes with a high cost. Not only to Jesus, but also to those who follow him. The gospel is freely given, but it does come with a high cost. Even though the cost is high, it is worth it. Accepting the gift of Christmas, the gift of the gospel, is worth it. Will you receive the gift of the gospel this Christmas. Let me take just a moment and speak to the ones who are not following after Jesus. You're living life on your own terms. You're following your own desires. You're following your own plans. And if you were to die this afternoon, you would know that you would not enjoy an eternity forever with God. If this is you, you're not alone in this room. There are others here just like you. And let me say thank you for being here with us this morning and listening to God about God for about 30 minutes, a God who you may not really recognize. Let me also say that God loves you, and he's after you. God is after you because of his love for you. You might have heard the most popular Bible verse in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, 
that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God is after you because he loves you. God loves you so much. I'll invite the worship team to come back up. We'll sing in a moment a song of invitation. If you want to talk more about what it means to follow Jesus, this is a time for you to come forward and talk with me or to pray. You can sit there in your seat and pray as well. The gospel comes alive at Christmas. God is after you because of his love for you. Will you follow Jesus today? God humbly saves. We pray. God, you are good. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. We thank you for this time that the world seems to slow down and, and celebrate. Lord, help us to remember that the gospel has a cost to it. Following Jesus has a cost. Help us to consider that as we look at how we follow you. You are good to us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.